Good morning, good afternoon. This is David Robert for the Marketplace of Ideas podcast. Hope you're having a wonderful and great day today. It is July the 28th, 2023. I'm sorry, no, July the 29th. Sorry about that. Uh, if you hear me huffing and puffing, I'm just on my exercise bike, getting some cardio in. Thought I would drop this wonderful and beautiful podcast episode today. Hopefully you can find us, before we get started, the Marketplace of Ideas podcast, wherever you get your podcast, from Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean. Um, Stitcher, I believe, is going to be closing down, so as of August the 29th, you can still get us there. But everywhere else you get your podcast, you can find us. We are there, rocking and rolling, uh, dare I say, having a gay old time. Um... So yes, today we're going to be chatting about something that has been rattling around in my brain for the last little bit. It is, uh, it's kind of weird, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, um, a little bit of backstory here, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s when a lot of the pop culture films that we see in the 2000s are, were relevant. So things such as the X-Men, Spider-Man, Batman... You know, uh, Gem, G.I. Joe, Pound Puppies, um, The Wuzzles, all of the Disney franchise stuff from The Little Mermaid to Cinderella to Snow White to, you know, um, any and all the Marvel characters and the DC characters, you name it, you know, I was was in it uh, from, oh my gosh, I mean, from the Bernstein Bears to the Get Along Gang to... um, to the Fraggle Rock, to the Muppets, to Sesame Street. I mean, we were just awash in pop culture stuff. And I've done an episode about that, but it just, it was just every and ev- everywhere. You know, as a kid, you, it just was amazing. It was a great, wonderful time to be alive. And of course, that was just so companies that ran, you know, put out products like He-Man and Barbie and Hot Wheels and Tonka trucks and and all that kind of stuff could just sell more junk basically and i'm in my 40s and the programming worked because if you look at my wall here in the studio you'll see the hulk and wu-tang and all the dc stuff wwf wrestlers teenage Ninja turtles the marvel characters you know it's it's all there right but something peculiar has happened over the last i want to say I almost want to say the last five or six years, maybe even a lot um, like, you know, earlier than that, but I've noticed it anyways, particularly um, probably since about like 2017 for me, because I started uh, consuming a lot more YouTube content is that not only are people mad and people upset and people in a state of anger all the time when it comes to their properties and the things they loved growing up, But there's this need to express that hatred in a very vile and disturbing way. So let me give an example of that. There's a gentleman by the name of, uh, oh man, what's his name? Not Tucker Carlson, but the other one, uh, the Jewish guy. Uh, He's on the Daily Wire or the Daily Beast, one of those. But he's a a right-wing conservative, uh, orthodox Jewish gentleman. Um, He he is uh, quite adamant about his hatred for all things liberal and progressive. And it's weird because a lot of the stuff that he 
defends are people that don't really like him. It's kind of weird. You know, if you, if you look at the white Christian nationalists out there, they're not too fond of Jewish brothers and sisters. And this gentleman is defending a lot of that stuff. And so, I mean, that's just, I don't even know what to, what to say to any of that kind of thing. But all that to say, there's this narrative that all of the major studios like Warner Brothers and Disney and Fox, well, Fox not anymore, but Pixar and the rest of them, they're trying to um, slip little messages into, this, into these movies to kind of indoctrinate your children and have them, I don't know, believing in weird stuff and having them, you know, turn against their parents or whatever, whatever craziness. But since the the internet, YouTube in particular, there's a low bearer, bearer, there's a low bearer of entry, meaning that if you have access to the internet, which is still not as common as you might think, and access to a pretty high quality phone, be it an iPhone or a, or a anything like that, you can put your message out there and tell the world how you feel. Heck, I'm doing it now on this podcast, right? Millions of people are uploading their thoughts and their their goals and their dreams and what they think about society and politics and entertainment and sports and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And I'll, you should always take it with a grain of salt because I mean, you never, you never know. We always used to joke back in the day that you might be talking on a chat room to somebody that, you know, telling you all the things you want to hear, getting you all hot and hot and heated and, you know, and it could be some, some dude in his mom's basement. So that was always the joke. But in the last couple of years, it's just been apparent that people are a lot more angry and mad and more willing to have unbacked the like theology about these films. And this last year has been no no different, in particular when it comes to some of the blockbusters or flopbusters that we've had this summer that some have done the, the numbers, like Elemental didn't do too well in theaters. It was a Disney Pixar um, endeavor. Indiana Jones, The Dial of Destiny, didn't really do as much as people thought. Transformers was okay, but, eh, you know, not a lot of people saw it because it came in right after the Spider-Verse, which did really well. A continuation of the 2018 Spider-Verse that broke all these records for animation and cinematography and storytelling. It's a truly amazing feat. And and then you see stuff like, um, like the new Barbie movie that's just killing it in the box office like just just printing money at this point but still getting heck from the alt-right um nazi crowd who who feels they need to suck the life out of all things fun you know and so they're claiming that there's indoctrination there and yada yada and all that kind of stuff so we're just gonna take a little bit of a deep fun look at some of this sort of stuff and why people are so mad but i want to i want to start back almost in the 80s uh, for me, because that's when this started, my love of all of this pop culture stuff. So like I said, I was raised in the 80s and the 90s when shows like He-Man, Silverhawks, um, Visionaries, Sectars, Jam, G.I. Joe, Barbie, Tonka, Toyota, Mask, Toyota, um, um, Hot Wheels, um, Super Mario Brothers. We had uh, Marvel, DC, Disney, you name it, Looney Tunes. The Roadrunner, uh, Bull Winkles. We had we had all this stuff that was just geared to sell more products, and it worked, right? 
You look at my basement, you'll see all of that here in my basement studio. It's, it's no secret that this stuff worked. Okay? Uh, people who are in their late 30s to mid 40s and even 50s and upwards, this stuff took hold and it did not, we didn't let go. You know, we just couldn't, we could not leave it alone. And why should we? It's fun stuff, it's harmless, and all this other, all this other stuff. But what happened back in the 80s was a thing called the Satanic Panic. And what the Satanic Panic was, was it was an idea that was cultivated within a lot of right-wing conservative Christian groups, and also um, any sort of organized religion that geared itself to more of a conservative right-wing sort of ideology, where it was apparent that everything that felt good, sounded good, tasted good, was bad for you. So everything from D&D, which was Dungeons and Dragons, that role-playing board game, to... Um, rock and roll to you know to heavy metal to rap to you know um sexy music to porn to whatever and while there are some some of these things that have detrimental effects <clears throat> if you have an addictive personality or you just don't know how to put it in its proper perspective when you're dealing with that kind of thing like it's pretty easy to fall into um world of warcraft which was a role playing uh, world-building type of game. And so anything that you take too much of can be a problem, from drinking to sleep to sex to exercise to video games to writing to whatever. You know, anything that you take too far can be to your detriment. And there was this notion that a large portion of the videos and movies and video games and TV shows that were really popular back when I was a kid was a way to in indoctrinate people into, you know, worshiping the devil. There was, I remember growing up, there was this thing that if you played uh, Led Zeppelin, Megadeth, and um, Guns N' Roses music backwards on vinyl, on an LP, um, you could hear, like, messages. And I think it was, uh, like, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was... Uh, Weird Al that put a message in his in one of his LPs that said buy more buy more buy more of my stuff you know and as we saw this idea that video games and comic books and violent cartoons were going to lead people to turn guns and knives and hatchets on their parents in the middle of the night and you know blood would be running in the streets and people would be running amok and cats and dogs living together mass hysteria and it just didn't happen. As we saw, yes, there were, you know, addictive properties placed into video games and to other these other IPs and stuff like that. But that was primarily because people wanted you to buy more of them. That's why there's so many um, Hot Wheels trucks and, you know, so many trading cards because you just can't buy one. You know, you got to keep buying more and more. But because of that, it just led to this almost mockery of this idea that this stuff was going to lead people down the path to to rack and ruin that your your life was going to be you know on the streets looking for your next pokemon fix or your next fix of pogs or marbles or um or pokemon go or whatever else was been out there or fidget spinners or whatever crap that marketers and you know big business can could think up to to make a buck that's all it is it's just people just wanting to make more money and having you spend your hard-earned money or your parents' hard-earned money on this garbage. 
And and a lot of it is, is stuff that just, you know, really resonated with us when it came to comic books and stuff like that. And 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 I feel part of it was parents just I mean, you gotta you gotta give it to some of the parents. You gotta give it up because on the one hand, here you are, if you're a parent or a you know, a um, a person who's watching over, a guardian of a child, and you're busting your ass. You're going to work early in the morning, coming home late, paying the bills, you know, changing the diapers, doing all that stuff. And you might come home and your kid has on their wall plastered superheroes or athletes or actresses or actors or people who are doing this amazing stuff and yet you're the one taking care of them. And so I kind of feel there was a bit of jealousy there that you're, you weren't being lifted up like that. Like you weren't being told, mom, dad, I love you or whatever else. I think there was, that was a part of it. And, and also for authority figures out there that realized that, you know, teachers and educators and politicians just didn't have the same type of sway that a Michael Jordan or a Wayne Gretzky or a Muhammad Ali or an Allen Iverson or Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, or, uh, or Muhammad Ali, rest in peace as well. Or, or like, uh, Mary Lemieux or, uh, Mark Messier, if that was your associated hero or, you know, uh, or it was just like the people of the day that were getting the praise and adulation and the love of the community and the country weren't necessarily the people making the big and hard decisions. It was your actors and rock stars and, and, you know, and singers, people who had immense talent or who were, you know, models or whatever. And so to see that, I guess it, it probably did spook people a little bit. People who were in charge of caring for children and making them, you know, trying to turn them into reasonable uh, members of society. And so, you know, hence the... Now, the satanic panic was also um, in due part that there was this feeling that kids were going to get sucked into satanic cults and due to all of this stuff. And so, obviously, we all know that was crap. We all know that that just didn't make any sense at all but it did grip the hearts and minds of a lot of parents out there and one and some of those parents were my own and i i'm no i'm no stranger to talking to people around my age who are like yeah my parents stopped me from watching the smurfs or care bears because of the magic in it and that was going to somehow corrupt me like just the the dumbest shit <laughs> the dumbest crap you can imagine now, granted, if your kid is, is doing lines of coke in the bathroom, um, I'd say maybe you should, there's time for an intervention, you know, or if they're, you know, they're drinking 40s and English, you know, and, and beer and, at, at the age of 12 or something, like getting into hard stuff. The problem with this sort of satanic panic or trans panic or, you know, uh, claiming things are too woke or too liberal or too whatever is that it takes away the importance from things that are actually real people will claim that um people who are liberal and democratic are into harvesting children well that sounds ridiculous and foolish and it takes away the real pain and suffering of children who are being horrifically trafficked throughout the third world and even uh, within canada and america and other parts of the world for the sick just disturbing pleasure of people who like that kind of thing and whether or not um there's always been an argument that people should be treated for that kind of stuff which i i totally agree but we you know it shouldn't be allowed 
obviously, um, you know, you want to protect children. But when you use that moniker of protecting the kids as a way to just punish, just to just to try to hurt people you don't like because of the various policies, it takes away from the real thing. And so, yeah, I'm sure there are messages embedded in a lot of films and a lot of TV that we've watched that don't coincide with uh, with what people might think society, the direction society should be going into. But it makes it almost ridiculous and foolish to think that by criticizing Barbie or making fun of, you know, Spider-Man or Indiana Jones, that somehow is going to tackle the broader issues of the day. So I just want to take a look at some of the um, some of the, <laughs> the critiques that we've seen in the in this um, in the summer movie um, uh, blockbusters and flopbusters here. So the first one was Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, the United Arabic Emirates banned the film over the Protect Trans Lives poster in Gwen Stacy's room. So this was written on June the 16th by Aisha. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that last name. Uh, this is by... This article was written on the website... Let me see... Um, Pink News. So it is a, I guess, an LGBTQ plus publication online. And in it... Here's what we got. So it wrote here, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse failed Gulf censorship requirements, likely due to its stance on trans rights, causing major fan backlash. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse has failed the Gulf state's censorship requirements, likely due to its stance on trans rights. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, you see, is the sequel to the hit 2018 animation Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse starring Shamika Moore as Miles Morales, a.k.a. Spider-Man, and Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy. Since its release earlier this month to major box office success, trans fans have praised the brief glimpse of, of, of uh, Protect Trans Lives trans flag and shared theories that Gwen Stacy is trans-coded. Oh my. Unfortunately, this is one reason why distributor Vox Cinemas pulled the film in the United Arab Emirates, which holds strict anti-LGBTQ plus laws just days before its scheduled release, date on June uh, the 22nd. According to Variety, it is claimed that the UAE Media Council is reportedly objecting to the film, saying it is contrary to their values. Reports are also emerging that neighboring Gulf countries such as Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and Kuwait are following suit, which is unsurprising given their track record. Egypt has also placed a ban. In November 2021, Marvel's Eternals was banned across Gulf nations over gay characters, followed a month later by West Side Story being banned in every single Gulf state for the inclusion of a groundbreaking trans character. In 2022, Disney Pixar's Toy Story spin-off Lightyear was pulled from 14 countries, including Saudi Arabia and UAE, for featuring a brief same-sex kiss. Finally, Marvel's Doctor Strange universe, uh, Multiverse of Madness faced censorship in Saudi Arabia for introducing queer teen superhero American, oh, sorry, America Chavez. I didn't know she was queer. Huh. Uh, many fans protested this latest decision to ban uh, across the Spider-Verse. Uh, somebody said, Bashir said on Twitter back in June, uh, June the 11th of this year, apparently Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse got banned in Saudi Arabia. If true, this is an automatic instant ban here in Kuwait. So annoying. The movies need big screens. Uh, Terry the Penguin said, this is so hypocritical to see fascists in power trying to ban movies across the globe like the Middle East over one inclusive element like protect trans kids in a movie like Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. These haters need their lessons to be learned. 
Uh, somebody said a girl with no face, literally in the movie for like two seconds too. Entire country misses out on one of the best animated movies in years, all for that. And somebody else said uh, Danny on at um, Lines in Motion on Twitter said heart goes out to the LGBTQ folk living within countries where the movie is banned for such a small, nearly missable visual support for trans kids. And so there's a lot more um, discussion on that. But it says here, in Across the Spider-Verse, Miles Morales meets Spider-Man from, a, from, from several different dimensions, including an iconic uh, hijab Spider-Woman and a Spider-Gwen whose fans have dubbed a trans icon. Although she never explicitly comes out as trans in the movie, fans have pointed to several clues about Gwen's gender identity. It is in Spider-Gwen's universe that we spot the Protect, uh, the Protect Trans Kids banner with a color scheme that reflects the trans pride flag. Uh, white, blue, and pink. And Spider-Gwen's Spider character arc is seen as a metaphor for coming out in a world where she is forced to hide her identity as a Spider-Woman for fear of being misunderstood. As for whether we'll ever see this made explicit on the big screen, fans will have to wait until March 2024 when the third film in the franchise, Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, is released. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is in cinemas now. So, uh, just a little little uh, tidbit there this uh the release in march might have to be pushed back because of the strike the actors and the writer's strike that's going on in hollywood right now uh some people are saying that this might be pushed well into you know into next year so we'll see but that's just one sort of take that people have had on spider gwen in particular into the spider verse people have been you know talking about it now i haven't seen the movie yet i hear it's really well done i've had a lot of friends and family who have seen it and it begs the question if this is something that you don't necessarily like if you're not particularly fond of the trans experience or the lgbtq plus experience and you feel that this is something that you don't want to support then by all means you don't have to support it but the weird thing is then to go online or to go on twitter or instagram facebook or youtube or wherever and create hateful content towards the film my mother always taught me that you don't have to like everything people like you there's plenty of things out there that you can take part in and and have a good old good old-fashioned good good time you, you, you can you don't like chocolate ice cream? Heck, there's vanilla. There's strawberry. You don't like roller coasters? Heck, there's bumper cars. You don't like cotton candy? There's funnel cakes. But you don't. But, but I, I sincerely doubt people who hate, you know, um, roller coasters are going to pick at roller coasters. I, I hope not. For <laughs> people who hate um, cotton candy are going to protest it and claim, no, you got to eat funnel cake. It's just weird. It's really weird. So entire countries banned probably one of the best animated films that we've seen dare I say in a generation due to support of marginalized people so take with that what you will right um, so as we carry on here we're also looking at the critiques that people have made on Indiana Jones and the um, Dial of Destiny people have called it uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is a mediocre toxic and Toxic Nostalgia. So this was written on June 30th uh, this year by Jackson Weaver for CBC News. And in it, it states, uh, This swan song is serviceable and avoids disaster at the expense of excitement. Does Harrison Ford ever want to be here? 
Judging by the performance in the Indiana Jones swan song, Dial of Destiny, the answer's got to be no. The former carpenter-turned-reluctant action star has been the face of this franchise for coming up to half a century. Excuse me, a fact that curmudgeonly Ford seems to dislike more and more as time goes on. And though he by no means dislikes his fans, Ford's famously inability to engage with anything or anyone he deems unworthy of his time, his no BS rule, is nearly as legendary as his characters. As he says in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, promoting the new movie, his apparent shyness in interviews and fans' interaction wasn't, as had been suggested, anxiety. Instead, it's an unwillingness to take part in what the rest of us are increasingly forced to do. As COVID-era telework is canceled in favor of inane small talk, no, I don't have a social anxiety disorder, he told the publication when the subject came up, I have an abhorrence of boring situations. So, as he shuffles through the lines in the fifth um, Indiana Jones movie entry with all the roguish uh, vitality of Noam Chomsky in a fedora, ouch! Ford's low energy can't entirely be ascribed to the fact that the 70-year-old is portraying uh, portraying is actually a decade younger than he is. Maybe just like Han Solo, the actor only came back for the opportunity to finally get rid of him. That said, plot-wise, there's not a whole lot to be upset about here. Even though the storyline can essentially be described as a 2001 Laura Croft Tomb Raider took a few Greek history classes in college, because in both, our pack of superhero uh, archaeologists have their sights set on a a geometric artifact, one that was intentionally split in half to keep anyone from using its time, using its time-traveling powers, and that in both cases uh, suspicious, suspiciously centers around uh, Ford. But like any Indiana Jones adventure, here they've pitted against a shadowy cabal of egotistical obsessed Nazis. Starting the action mid-Second World War on a German resupply chain, we're introduced to a young Indiana Jones and sidekick Basil Shaw. As they attempt to liberate the Nazi-stolen Lance of, of Longinus, a holy item pur uh, purported to have been used in the killing of Jesus. After discovering the item is a fake, their attention shifts to another object in Nazi possession, uh, I don't know this word. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. It's an ancient device that, among other things, was able to predict the movement of the planets. Is sometimes referred to as the world's first computer, and others used by pseudoscientists to attempt to prove the existence of Atlantis. Here, although, it's an, inven it's an uh, invention by Greek mathematician Archimedes, with the purported ability to find fissures in time. It also catches the attention of villain Dr. Jurgen uh, Volar um, Mads Michelinus I, I can never pronounce that name, I'm sorry Igniting a race to both halves of the machine That quickly jumps forward in time to 1969 There a worse for wear Jones Is living the typical life Of the final installment action hero A la Taken, Rambo, Die Hard Logan, James Bond And even It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia Fake franchise, Thunder Gun 4 Maximum Cool, expressly designed to lampoon the tropes these movies follow. Our once indestructible protagonist is now an arthritic mess, living in a less than desirable house setup after his early movie relationship was destroyed by his rough and tumble ways. Our indie is boozy and unshaven, out of the game, until pulled back in by Godfather Helen Helena Shaw, Goddaughter Helena Shaw, um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, to go after the 
to go after the item once again. Along with chases, fights, and at least a couple, it belongs in a museum to keep the crowd delivery pity, ch- pity chuckles. Uh, stereotypically formula aside, though, it would be a lie to say the journey doesn't somewhat work. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is fun and goes through the motions of what fans of the original trilogy are at least used to. Gone are the silly frills of the regrettable fourth installment, Crystal Skull, and the franchise's new director, James Mangold, manages to find a close enough match to the semi-serious amusement park enjoyment Spielberg crafted before him. As well, the universe's famous set pieces continue to impress here, whether it's young Jones running on top of a train, old Indy battling off <laughs> off-puttingly snake-like eels in an underwater shipwreck, or Shaw executing an escape with nothing more than a cigarette and a hidden stick of dynamite. There is nothing, there is enough Goonie-style uh, choreography, choreographered action for an audience to while away a night. And aside from the yet again eerie de-aging attempts early on in the movie, which when used to apply Ford's face to a stunt double, gives an unsettling echo to the AI-facing fears raised in the Black Mirror recent episode, Joan is awful. Everything looks adequately blockbuster. The final Indiana Jones entry is actually near the top of what is usually dismal filmic phenomenon. Closing chapters of a long-running action vehicle's uh, I'm sorry, the closing chapter of a long-running action vehicle. But what's missing is any, is any sense of urgency in the story or any or in any sense of charisma from Ford himself. Um, let me see. It goes on to read that the chemistry between Waller Bridge and Ford is average. The villains are overdone. And by now, they've given in to a point of parody that is quite embarrassing. Um... So is Indiana Jones and the Dial Dial of Destiny worth seeing? It'll sure give you something to do for two and a half hours, but if you're anything like me, and potentially Ford himself, you might just be glad that it is over. Ouch! Woo! So there you have it. Um, Now, Indiana Jones not being accused of being woke or being liberal, it's just being lambasted for being old and not caring anymore. And I think... Again, like I said at the beginning, you don't have to like everything, but to rip into it with such anger and disrespect is kind of, it's kind of mean, because one of the things I learned in listening to a lot of movie pundits on YouTube and, and everything else is that, for the most part, a lot of films, how could I put this, they're, they're, films are magic in a way, right? I, I heard this. Um, films are essentially alchemy because you have somebody who has a thought or an image or something that they want to put forth that's in their head and so they want to put it out into the world and so what do you do you get it you, you write a script you write a screenplay you get um, investment investors because you may not have the money you try to beg borrow and steal scrape every dime you can get to create to create magic you, go, you have to go on location, you have to get actors and directors and editors and, and videographers and advertising and marketing. It's, the fact that anything gets made at all, movie-wise, is astounding. All the moving parts that have to come together. And, and then to make something that people actually like is damn near impossible. Damn near impossible. And the fact that people still go into this line of work is, you know, you have to love it. 
And so while there are films that I may not particularly like or may not particularly ever want to see, I still feel that we have to give the benefit of the doubt that when people create something, they're not just doing it to create something bad. Right? They're creating, they want to create something that people will like and will care about and cherish. But for the most part, to rip into people who, you know, who put a lot into it, I think we have to, we kind of have to chill a little bit, you know, and kind of give some grace, as it were, you know, realizing that how difficult that whole thing is. And so, so that was um, Indiana Jones, The Dial of Destiny. And then the last one I wanted to talk about was uh, the Barbie uh, backlash. And so I did talk a little bit about this on my last podcast, so I'm not going to get too deep into it. Um, You know, don't want to beat the dead horse kind of thing. But there was something that was written on um, just literally this week by Greta Gerwig. She is the uh, director of Barbie, and so she gave an interview to Rolling Stone on the right-wing kind of backlash. And so it's a short little article. Just kind of read it here, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. But it says here, Greta Gerwig on outraged conservatives burning Barbies. Oh, dear Lord. Uh, So the Barbie director gave her take on the right-wing backlash to the blockbuster film during an interview with the New York Times. This was written by uh, uh, Charmez uh, Matarang on July the 6th of uh, 2023 at 12.59 a.m. So it says, Greta Gerwig's Barbie grossed a record-breaking $155 million domestically and $377 million internationally. In its first weekend, the blockbuster film also crushed right-wing effort to boycott the film for its man-hating and woke feminism. And Barbie has since driven her pink Corvette over the delicate egos of outraged conservatives to score the biggest film debut of 2023. While Gerwig didn't anticipate the right-wing backlash, she continued to maintain that Barbie is for all. Certainly, there's a lot of passion, the director told the New York Times when asked about conservatives who've taken to publicly burning Mattel dolls in protest. Just a little segue, um, if you burn plastic and other, you know, um, synthetic materials, you could be, you could hurt yourself and those around you. Just putting that out there. Um, So it says here... Uh, let's see. My hope is for the move. My hope for the movie is that it's an invitation for everybody to be a part of the party, and let go of the things that aren't necessarily serving us as either women or men. She continued. I hope that in all of that passion, if they see it or enrage with it, or engage with it, it can give them some of the relief that it gave other people. Last week, Daily Wire founder Ben Shapiro—that's the guy's name. That's the Jewish gentleman I was chatting about. Um. Uh, So yeah, Uh, last week, Daily Wire founder Ben Shapiro suspiciously claimed that he had been dragged to watch the films by his producers. Okay. Showing up to the theater with a notepad filled with what we can only assume was packed with Shakespearean critiques of Barbie. He he has since photoshopped into several meme classics. Afterwards, the devastated 39-year-old man opened his 43-minute review of the movie by setting Barbie and Ken dolls on fire. Ginger Gazette, the wife of uh, Representative Matt Gazette, who can't say Margot Robbie is hot without being transphobic, okay, criticized Barbie for neglecting to address any notion of faith or family, and disappointingly low testosterone and beta energy from Ryan Gosling's Ken. 
Yet, despite the onslaught of conservative complaints, audiences around the world have reached the general consensus that we're living in a Barbie world. Love how Republican congressmen are just now hating on Barbie because she's too woke. Like, hello, this is a doll made for little girls. Who was a doctor and an astronaut before women in the U.S. were even allowed to have credit cards without their husband's permission? Representative uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez wrote in a Friday post on Meta's threads. Of course they're mad. They want the old days back. So that's just a little take on uh, how Barbie has, you know, uh, basically pooped on all the haters, making almost half a billion dollars in the first weekend. Gosh damn. Woo! Barbie doing the thing. Doing it. So, all in all, I uh, want to wrap this thing up by just saying, stop hating. You know, it doesn't do your body any good. Trust me when I tell you, if you have hatred living in your heart, your mind, you've got people living rent-free in your head, you will have no peace of mind. Now, to be fair, most of these pundits and these people who are saying these things... They get paid to do it. Let's call it what it is, right? I mean, they're getting paid crazy amounts of money to talk shit on the internet. People like it. They get advertising dollars. Bing, bang, boom. Bob's your uncle. Fanny's your aunt. You're making bank. You're killing it out there. And yeah, I mean, if somebody was paying me, you know, half a million dollars a year to crap on movies that I didn't like, heck, maybe I'd do it too. But how would I sleep on a bed full of money? Let me tell you. That's No, I... At some point, there's a there's a saying I, I remember hearing from um, uh, from a lot of hip hop artists growing up that all money ain't good money. And even though someone's giving you a check or you're getting a you're getting a couple racks or whatever for doing whatever, you gotta you gotta live with yourself. You know, I'm sure the you know the drug dealer who's making a lot of money might feel good when he's pushing his Lexus or his Bentley or BMW or whatever, but. You're destroying your community. The people who, you know, destroyed the middle class in America. I don't know. How do they how do they sleep at night? The big time executives and people who have destroyed the middle class. I don't know how they sleep. My grandmother, um, who's in her 90s, would always tell me your name, good name is better than riches. And it says so in the Bible. And if this is how you're making your living, if this is your legacy, if you're known for that person who is online, who just was just an idiot, who has no, no sense of caring about other people, has no, who doesn't, you know, who can't fathom thinking about someone else other than themselves, and only what they hate, what, what does that do for you? It's just weird. Of all the things that are online that people can put their energies towards people choose to to look at hate i'll end with this so if you have access to the internet you're in in rare company because a large portion of our earth does not so if you have the internet in your home that means you have a place to live that means you have access to electricity which means you have wherever you live there's an electrical grid that means there's reliable um electricity you have a home that could that's up that has updated standards, standards that are probably better than what kings and queens lived in in the you know 15 and 1400s. Guaranteed, you got indoor plumbing, indoor electricity. They didn't have that in a lot of these places. And then if you have reliable internet, you also have legislation and infrastructure that means that you can earn a living. 
Think about that for a second. And so all the things you could look at online, all the things you could fill your, your mind with, look at good stuff. You know, there's, there's this quote that I, I heard growing up that said, if you know better, you do better. I think we need to rename that a little bit. I think that people wake up and they, and they, want, they want the violence. And I think we have to, for our own mental health, the things that we don't like, leave them be. Let, the, let those dogs lie. If they're not hurting anybody else, people are enjoying it, knock yourself out. There's films out there I can't flip and stand. But I'll be damned if I make videos about how much I hate them. I'll, I'll talk about the things I like, the things I, I really care about. And in doing so, you enrich your spirit, you know, and you're, you're able to kind of connect with people on a better level. I feel anyways, a higher vibration, if you would. So, like I said, you know, uh, take this for what it is. I'm just a guy talking on a podcast. Hopefully you're listening. Um, just want to thank you for listening, taking time out of your day. Like I said before, spread the love. Stay away from the hate out there. There's a lot of weirdos, you know. Um, but nonetheless, like I said before, you can find us, the Marketplace of Ideas podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'm talking... Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, like I said, Stitcher till the end of August, but iTunes, we are there, rocking and rolling. We got the Adult Fitness Podcast, uh, we got a new episode coming in either tomorrow or Monday for that, so look for that, uh, it's all, all, all things fitness, and we also have our new coming uh, of Gods and Monsters, or a Strange, Tale, Strange Tales Podcast, I still, I still gotta think of a name, between those two names, I don't know, they're... They're both, I like I like them both. I might I might try to mix them in together. Who knows? But nonetheless, uh, thank you for listening, and be good to one another out there. Take care, and until next time, keep the peace. Later. <laughs>